God. You can be seated. The Lord is so good to us in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The eighth chapter of the book of Mark has some remarkable things to keep that we can keep in mind. Jesus didn't just feed the multitudes as we see it in the, in the scripture. We know that he at least did it twice. One time, the Bible says that there were over there were five thousand people there, plus women and children. So there probably had to be probably a crowd of close to ten, fifteen thousand. Who knows? Um, God did, and He fed every one of them and had twelve baskets that were left over. Praise God. Um, you, th- you think that one time would be enough, but it usually is not because we're human beings and we have to be told again and again and again, and that's okay because God is patient and that's how his lessons come. They are absolutely um, over and over again, and I don't have a problem with that. And so the eighth chapter of the book of Mark is that. It's in that chapter we see him, um, um, we see him feeding again, you know, asking the question, you know, these are people that need to be fed. And of course, there were 4,000 is what it says here. And of course, you know, the disciples were like we are. They forget what Jesus did. And we do, how easily it is. That's why, folks, if you're ever going to really get the victory on a consistent basis, you have to get consistent with God in some of what I call the remedial areas of your life. You have to. It's because you're a human being and you forget. You get, you know, somebody, and you know it, you know, somebody can do a thousand things for you. But one bad thing comes your way, and you forget all about that. And we do. And I'm not criticizing, folks. I'm with you. That's one of the reasons the Lord taught me consistency. I had to come to church. I have to pray. I have to read my Bibles. You say, well, that's pretty demanding. It's the truth. It's what keeps me in closeness to God. That's what it is. And so I don't have a problem with that. I, as a pastor, I struggle with people sometimes that, that can't see that. I really do. I just wish they could. I wish they could see the, that fact. And I'm not giving up on folks. I'm just saying, I wish they could. I wish they could see that because it would save them, you know, a lot of trouble and that type of thing. And so in the midst of this chapter, Jesus feeds them again and seven baskets are left over. So hopefully the point got across. Well, in the midst of that, Jesus did this and I don't think it's found anywhere else in the scripture where he healed a blind person like this. You know, he could have, I don't know, but Mark 8 is the only place that it makes reference to it. And it was a place where he he took this man and he came into a city and Jesus held revivals everywhere. But sometimes he understood unbelief and doubt was going to be in the place. And so for, for any reason, I have my own ideas, but he led this man out of the city. That's what he did. And then he prayed for him out of the city. And the scripture says that when he prayed for the man, he said, what do you see? And the man says, well, I see people as, as trees. And, um, of course, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, he's going to have a hard time functioning in life if that's what's going to be the end result. And the scripture says that Jesus touched him again, did it again, and then the man saw very clearly. Well, I don't know if that's one or two or whatever the case is, but I feel like that's something that's happening in this place today, that some people have been touched. You come in here, you can feel the Holy Ghost, you can feel the power of God, the the spoken word goes forth, and it is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces, it really does that. But sometimes people aren't seeing clearly, praise God. Let me give you an example. I feel like some people don't see clearly that not every church is the same. And I'm not being critical of churches. I'm just saying not all of them are the same. 
Not all churches preach the truth. Not all churches believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not all churches believe in Jesus' name baptism. And again, I'm not being critical. I'm not here to, to criticize any church in this town, but I'm just saying sometimes people have to be touched again from God so that they can see that, so that they can see clearly, praise God. You know, and I believe that that's what life is sometimes. Sometimes we get a touch from the Lord and we just hit the road pell-mell running, praise God. And we really don't see quite as clearly, clearly as we should. And that's why the consistency with God and coming into the presence of God on a regular basis will sometimes prevent that. Sometimes we can, our eyes can become open in Jesus' name. And because I understand that the story's talking about physical um, blindness, and there's no question about it, our God is a healer. He can do that. I mean, there's no question about it. But I feel like a lot of what comes into churches today is spiritual blindness. Amen. One of the pr prayers I pray every day is I pray, pray that, this, that the salt of God and, and the light of God, I command it in the name of Jesus by his authority to, to get activated and to become... Um, prevalent in our area in Jesus' name, because I do believe it's one of the few things that you and I can do. We can be the salt and the light of this world. God gave us permission to do that. And so when we do that, praise God, I also pray, I pray because of this, because of the promise of God to be the salt and the light of the world, I command that darkness has to leave and blindness has to be lifted. Paul made reference to this in the book of Corinthians where he said the reason people aren't getting saved is because their eyes are blinded. They don't really realize they need to be saved. In a large portion of our population today, that's where they're at. You know, maybe they've accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Maybe they've, you know, they remember as a kid going to church and that type of thing. And I'm not against any of that. But they don't realize that, praise God, that the sin nature has to be dealt with only one way, and that's through the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. And that's why eyes have to be open. Praise God. The darkness has to leave. The good news is, is that's happening in Jesus' name. I don't pray those prayers anymore, and you can call me arrogant if you want, but I just use it as boldness. I don't pray those prayers wondering if they're going to happen anymore. I don't. I absolutely don't even go there anymore. I will not let my carnal nature even have that moment of peace. Praise God. I pray those prayers and I believe absolutely they are going forth. They are going into this city. They are going into this county. They're hitting ears. They're hitting, uh, they're touching eyes. People are being touched by the power of God. And I believe that, praise God, because God has ordained for that to happen in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Does somebody here want to get your eyes completely open to what God wants to do? Do you want to do that? Why don't you raise your feet right now? And we're going to pray together right now. That blindness, praise God. Maybe you're seeing a little bit. Maybe God has helped you to see some things. But God wants you to see clearly right now. And I pray that prayer right now across the board here. In the name of Jesus. Right now. Right now. I claim it. I claim it. The darkness has to go. The blindness has to lift. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, that eyes are open. The understanding. In the name of Jesus, depressions have to leave, Lord God, both demonic and psychological. In Jesus' name, Lord, I claim that truth. In the name of Jesus. Oh. 
in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Come on, lift up both of those hands right now. Don't let that carnal nature come along and tell you it ain't true. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice to the King of Kings. In the name of Jesus. Yes, yes. Come on, somebody's breaking through. Somebody's already broke through. In the name of Jesus, that's right. You got a, you got a hold of the hem of his garment right now. Come on, come on, that's right. The Lord is here right now. Oh, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. Sit down and breathe a little bit here, okay? Praise God. As God is so good to us. Um, let me take a few minutes and catch up, okay? I had a wonderful day yesterday. I did. I got to spend it with my best friend. She's more than my best friend. She's my companion. She's my, she just is there. She's the greatest lady that I've ever known, and I, I, I don't make any apologies for that. Praise God. She had a birthday yesterday, and we celebrated it. We made a smoothie yesterday morning. You ever had a smoothie? They're good. Praise God. Put, put um, what's that stuff, green stuff we put in it? Spinach. Put spinach in it. Yeah, I don't like it either, but it's really good in, in, a, in, a, in a smoothie. It really, especially if you put cherries and mangoes in with it. Yeah, it, you don't even taste the spinach. But you know you're swallowing something that's good for you. Isn't that great? And so we did that. I went down to the uh, market yesterday, and there's a, I, I, it reminds me so much of my mother. That's why I go down there. There's a little Amish group that meets down there, and they make these baked goods. I'm telling you, folks. Baked goods are the will of God. And especially when you have a smoothie, because then you don't feel guilty. You don't. You say, I've already had something good for me, so now I can have six or seven things that aren't. Does anybody have the same logic that I have? I do from time to time. Amen. Um, this is not chapter and verse, okay? This is the book of Carnahan. But down there, I went down there, and there it was. Right there on the table, praise God. A homemade angel food cake. Oh, I'm telling you folks, they make them just like my mom makes them, or used to make them, praise God. My mom would get about five or six dozens of eggs, praise God, and she would, she literally, she would do this, she would take all the yolks out of them, and she would make homemade noodles. Oh, you ever had homemade noodles? Oh, it's absolutely fabulous. And then she would take the yolks of those eggs, and she would make, literally, she'd make a whole bunch of angel food cakes, and they were thick. I mean, to tell you, they were, he they were actually heavy. Praise God. Not the kind you get in the store. And so I bought one of them, and praise God, we had a smoothie and angel food cake for breakfast. Isn't that great? Praise God. We stood around and did our wordle, or sat around, did our wordle, had put together a little bit of the puzzle. Praise God. And then she, I took her to her favorite restaurant. Yeah. And you know where her favorite restaurant is? It's where we live. I cooked her a steak di dinner, Tom. That's what I did. Got her a couple of ribeyes, and man, they were done just perfect. 
Just perfect, praise God. Sliced up a bunch of tomatoes, Tony. Thought about you when we did that. Praise God. He dislikes tomatoes as much as I dislike onions. So him and I are partners. We really are. Praise God. But then we had, man, it was just great. I mean to tell you, it was just a fantastic. We did some other things, I won't tell you, but praise God, a little later on, her and I, we got to go to prayer together last night. We just spent actually the whole day together, and it was fantastic. It really was. Got home last night after prayer, and I thought, man, I got to get some things together, or, or man, I'll just be telling you people stories, you know. But God just began to fall in that little office area. It was just a gorgeous day. And I give all the credit to the Lord in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, folks, I, and, and just because of those things that we did didn't make it, you know, and it made it great, don't misunderstand me, but the deal was, praise God, is that God was in every bit of what we did. Oh, I'll tell you, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to even think about not serving God. I don't know why people go there. I really don't. Living for God is the greatest, greatest thing that you and I can do in the name of Jesus, no matter what happens to us. No matter what happens to us. Look at this scripture. I want to show you something, and then I'm going to move on here in just a bit. But look at uh, Romans chapter number 8. There's a lot of things in Romans chapter 8 that could just benefit uh, uh, people for living for God. But I want to show you something here. The scripture says, and, and really the eighth chapter is kind of the theme, is living in the spirit. And that's what I love to do, praise God. And the Bible says in verse 16, it says, The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Now that's God's spirit that bears witness with our human spirit, okay? It says that we are the children of God. That's the witness. The world will never ever let you know this. Your relatives can't let you know this. The only one that can let you know that you are a son of God is the Spirit of the Lord. He's the only one. And then it says, and if children, look at this, then heirs. I, did I give you the verse? I'm sorry. I, uh, it says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. You couldn't be in a better place. Praise God. And then the scripture says, if so be that we suffer with him. That's the part we don't like. Yeah, it's in there. We like the air part. We like the inheritance and all that kind of business. But this idea of suffering for the Lord, we just don't like that. And we got to get over it. We just do. Because if you don't, you're going to become, you're going to allow the demonic depression and the psychological depression to camp right at your doorstep. Because it'll give you all kinds of reasons to be depressed. And I'm not saying that depression is always that, but I'm saying a lot of what I deal with on a weekly basis it is. That's exactly where it's coming from. And it's because of the misunderstanding. That's why I'm hoping and I'm believing today, and I stated it, that when we prayed today for that blindness to lift, it did. You got 2020 here this morning. You do. You, Gillette Optometric, whatever that is up there, couldn't have done a better eye check than God did for you this morning. You can see clearly now. Now, I don't know if you're going to maintain that or not. That's up to you. I can't follow you around all week. I can't go to your home and beg you to serve God every second of every day. I'm not going to do that. And I hope you don't count me unkind for that, but I just can't. Praise God. 
And so you know, the idea of it is it's going to be up to you. What are you going to do about this? Now that you've got this clear vision and you understand that there are going to be some sufferings that are going to take place. And look at this. The Bible gives us that disclaimer. It says, it says if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. All you got to do is look at Jesus. You know, he was glorified after the cross. And then the scripture says something that all of us need to see clearly. He said in verse 18, for I reckon, or I calculate, or I contemplate, I know that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That, sir, that, ma'am, is why somebody coming to a church service after having a horrible week or a very challenging week can get up, raise their hands, unhypocritical, and they can begin to praise God. They can run these aisles. They can give God the glory. They can shout. They and praise you want to know why because they've got a good eye of that verse right there in the name of Jesus that's what's happening in the name of Jesus praise God I'm again them I'm again them when I have them I'm again them what are you again I'm against pity parties I don't like them I don't even like myself when I have one I'm just, I'm probably one of the nast, nastiest people, person alive when I do that. And I want God to shake me, praise God. Amen, and God will, and he does that in the name of Jesus. And so I hope, praise God, that the, these good things are happening with you in the name of Jesus. Would you like some armor to take home with you? Would you, would you like some things, praise God, in the name of Jesus? And I'll tell you what, God wants to help us to do that. Uh, somebody was talking the other day, and they were talking about a motivational poster. You ever have anybody in their home, do you have any motivational posters? Yeah, I'm, one of these days I'm going to get a motivational poster of, of Mount, um, what's the highest mountain? Uh, Everest, yeah, because that's the highest point that we could get off of this earth without flying, 29,000 plus feet, you know, praise God. And I like that. That's a motivation to me. I want to climb higher. I don't know where I'm at in the scheme of things yet. I don't. You know, the Bible lists at least eight mountains that, that, that they climbed. And I'm not going to teach on that this morning. I would like to, but I can't. But you talk about mountains. And mountains always have that idea of, of climbing. And it's not easy and that type of thing. Praise God. I remember when Brother Fitzner and I, that was the last time I climbed um, a mountain, was with him, uh, Cloud Peak. And, of course, him and I, were we just didn't have any brains, I guess. I don't know. It was my fault because I didn't want to camp, okay? Most people that climb that mountain, they go about 10 miles in, and then they camp, and then they start out the next morning real nice and fresh. Oh, but not Carnahan. Amen. Sometimes I feel like I'm Thursday's child, but I was actually born on Friday, okay? Thursday's child has far to go, you know, that type of thing. Sometimes I feel like that. But him and I, you know, he did it, and I thank God for Brother Jerry. He, I know he didn't want to do it that way, but Tony, he was just, you know, you know, being kind to the old man, you know. And so we did it all in one day. Praise God. 20, almost 26 miles, I think, is what it was. And I'm telling you folks, by the time we came back, I was absolutely, almost had to take my arms and lift my legs. Praise God. And they were numb. When we came down the mountain, we stopped at a place and got something to eat. I couldn't feel anything in my legs, you know. And so I wouldn't advise that to happen, but boy, what a view up there in that cloud peak. 
We did about two years later, or two years prior to that, we did Bomber Mountain, and it was the same thing. 25 miles or something like that we did all in one day. But boy, what a view up there. And I got the pictures too, by the way. You know, but the idea of it is God doesn't have us climb mountains like old dummy Carnahan. He doesn't expect you to go 26 miles in one day. God doesn't. But he expects you to keep climbing. And that's what life is going to be. Life is going to be a climb. That you're going to have to get up some places to see the things of God. Amen. Well, I understand we have valleys too, but the bottom line is, folks, we have to put, get that mentality that, God, help me to become a mountain climber. Help me to do the things that you want me to do, praise God. And I'll tell you something, you'll get up and you'll see some views that you've never seen before in Jesus' name. Somebody here want to do that? You know, listen to me, folks. I don't know how far it is to the first heavenly place. I don't know. It's in the spirit, but you have to climb up. Amen. And then after you come back down for a while, you're going to have to find yourself to be, and the ability to climb back up there. And God gives you that strength, praise God. He really does. And man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here doing that. Somebody here, you got your eyes open this morning, and now you're able to see that. You don't have to live the same way you have. Now listen, I'm not into changing your personality. I understand that there are some people that are prone to some things more than others. And we have to be careful with that one, that we don't discourage people in that realm. But I don't care what kind of a personality you got. Jesus still fits in Jesus' name. Come on, he still fits in Jesus' name. And you can rely on that. Amen. And God wants to help you to have confidence in that like you've never had before in the name of Jesus. But back to this thing in the motivational um, uh, posters. And I, I, I would like to have more of them. When we get an office again, we'll probably have a few more pictures like that. And so we'll do that. But here's one that I don't think I would ever want to have on my wall. This was actually a motivational poster. And you know what it said on the poster? And I couldn't believe it. I had to read it about 10 times. It actually said this. It says, it may be that the sole purpose of your life is to serve as a warning to others. Whoa. That's quite a statement, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I'd avoid that one like the plague. Amen. I don't want to be a warning to you. I want to be an encouragement to you. And I've seen people come into this church, and that's exactly what their life was. And I'm not being critical, and I'm not being the judge. I'm not any of that, praise God. But that's exactly what your life was. My goodness, drugs, alcohol, running around doing stupid things and all that kind of business. My goodness, it was just a warning from God that, man, that's not the way you want to live your life. You know, there's somebody in the Bible that, that, that was kind of like that, and his name was Samson. That's what he was. You talk about having the potential. He was raised in the right home. His parents got that view of God, what they needed to do, and, and he made that oath and all that stuff. But Samson continually played games. He used his strength, praise God, to tantalize people and all that kind of stuff. And man, he got himself into all kinds of trouble. You can find this for yourself. It'd be good, you know, for you to take that and to read. Read that from time to time because there's a lot to learn. I think it's Judges 13 through chapter 16. That's what tells us the story of, of Samson. And I mean to tell you, it's, it's just a sad thing because Samson had a lot going for him. And I'm going to tell somebody right now, that's where God has got you. He's got a lot of things going for you. 
He saved you. He shed his blood so that you could feel what it really means to be completely forgiven and that type of thing. And I feel like there's a few of you that you're on the verge of wasting it away. And man, I'm not criticizing you. I'm certainly not scolding you. I'm just saying, come on, don't do that. Come on, don't let some momentary setbacks, you know, take you back and, and, and so you don't live the way God wants you to live. There is so much power and, and kindness and love in the things of God. But we can become like Samson. Amen. And boy, I mean to tell you, we would really, really regret it. Praise God. Now, I'm not going to make a huge deal out of this, but this is what I want to show you that happens to people, praise God, that, 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 that they do that. Amen. They become a warning. The last part of Samson's life, he really played the game. Remember that with Delilah? You know, where's your strength? And boy, he, she just played him just right to the hill. Amen. And he just kind of messed around with her and that type of thing. But the scripture said, and I just want to help somebody here today to tell you, you're not there yet. You're miles away from that. But praise God, don't let, your, don't let the wind blow you towards that. And the Bible says she just began to entice him. Just kept doing it. Kept enticing him. It's just like the world out there, folks. The world out there, that's the ability that it has. It has the ability to entice you. Amen. And you got to resist that because God isn't going to, he isn't going to come and grab you by the nap of the neck and drag you to church all the time. You're going to have to figure that one out. Amen. But that enticement is out there. And boy, I mean to tell you, it'll get you and get you and get you. And the Bible says that she finally got to a place where he told her all that was in her heart. Amen. And the scripture says that she was ready for that. She cut his hair off, you know, and I mean to tell you, he became as weak as the next person. The scripture says in the 16th chapter Judges, it says, and he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Do you see how backslidden he was? He didn't even know the Lord had departed. And so the scripture says that um, the Philistines took him and they did three things to him. And this is what the world will do to you. Really, it will. Amen. It will blind you. It will bind you. And that's what they did with, with Samson. And it will have you grind for them. The old grind. That's exactly where Samson ended up, folks. And that's not where God wanted him to be. He was supposed to be the judge. He was supposed to be the epistle that all men would read. He was supposed to be the leader. Come on, I know it's getting a little sober in here right now, but come on, somebody here, you've got your eyes open. You can take this serious now. You can begin to see what this thing is really worth, what the world is doing to you. Go ahead and work all those hours. Go ahead and make all that money. Go ahead and buy all those cars. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not against it. I'm not telling you not to, but they're going to be gone someday. And it's only the things of God that are going to remain. That's what I'm seeing more and more as I get older, praise God. That's what I'm beginning to see, that only the things that God gives to me are going to last. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want me to have anything. Come on, I got a beautiful wife. I live in a great home. I think it is. I got a fantastic chair that I can sit in. I got a bed, praise God, that I sleep like a baby most nights. Come on, I got it made. Come on, it doesn't mean that God wants me to lay on the floor and he doesn't want me to eat or have anything. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that we allow the world to entice us into thinking that that's where the answers are. That's right. 
That's where my joy is. Come on, some of you, I felt that when you came down to this altar this morning, that your eyes were getting open, that your joy isn't in that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy yourself in that kind of stuff, but your joy is not in that, praise God. Your joy is in the Lord. God is your Savior. He's the one, praise God, that will give you everything. He is the one that will take you to heaven in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody else needs to lift their hand right now, and you need to ask God to change you in the name of Jesus. Come on, he is so good to us. He is so good to us. That's what it is. He is so good to us. All my life, he has been faithful. Come on, all my life, he has been so good. Come on, there's, that's an understatement. Praise God. You're not looking at somebody here that's trying to get even with somebody. That's what Samson was doing. It's because his lousy lifestyle got him that way. I'll show you scripture for it too in the name of Jesus. Amen. He wasn't supposed to try to get even with people. He was supposed to show people the way. He was supposed to be the light. But he was playing these games. And this is what happens sometimes with us. And God needs to shake us. And you know, Samson, after, after he lost his strength, that's what he did. He shook himself and he thought, man, it'll just be, be right there again. You know, and no, it won't. Because when you lose some things of God, I'm going to tell you something, you've got to go back to a place where you can get them again. And so this is what he did. And so in the 16th chapter there, the Bible says that they blinded him, they put his eyes out. They bound him. And then they put him in a place where there should have been an ox. And they made him grind all the day long. And I don't know how long that was, but the scripture says the mercy of God will appear in a lot of places. And the Bible says that his hair began to grow. And so God honored that. You must understand, it didn't matter how much of a, of a booker that, that Samson was, God honored that kind of faith. And I've seen that before. I've seen people, man, that had, had a ministry that God gave them and they could get behind the pulpit and they could operate, praise God, but secretly people found out later on that they were living like the devil. And you think, boy, that confuses me. No, it doesn't anymore because God will confirm his word. And that's what he did with Samson. He allowed his hair to come back and so he had strength. But you must understand, look at his final prayer here. Look at this. The scripture says in verse 27, I'm in Judges 16, kind of giving you the end result. It says, now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women, and beheld while Satan, or while Samson made sport. They, they brought this guy out, and they were making fun of him. And the Bible says, and Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God. And look at what he was praying, that I may be at once avenged or avenged. You know, in my opinion, instead of avenging people, he should have been repenting. And that's what happens when people get blinded. That's what happens when people get bound and they're in the daily grind is they, they, they forget that it's the goodness of the Lord that will lead them to repentance. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on old Samson here, but in my opinion, he's a pretty, a pretty good poster here of the idea that it may be that his sole purpose in life is that he serves as a warning to other people. Now that's kind of sad, isn't it? But that's the way it is, praise God, sometimes. That's what God does. 
And so God has given you an opportunity every day, praise God, to rise to the occasion in Jesus' name. That's what he's doing. And I, I can sense that in this place today, that some of you, praise God, you got your eyes open in Jesus' name. And God is going to do some, some tremendous things in your life in Jesus' name because he wants you to become, praise God, a living epistle that men can read, praise God, and they can begin to see, see it for whatever it's worth in Jesus' name. That's what God wants to do in Jesus' name. Now, another person has that epitaph, too, and you, I'm, I'm trying to bring this into a total downer because we're going to raise above it, but I want to help somebody understand, praise God. Now, you can say all the attributes about Samson that you want, and yeah, he had strength, and he did some things and that type of thing, but he died not the way God wanted him to die. Amen. Praise God. Another person that was like this was Saul, the first king. Remember that? This guy was a big guy, and he was, man, alive. He had so much potential. The Lord had a great plan for him. But just like Samson, he started playing around. And I'm not going to make as big a deal about him as I did about Samson. But the point of it is that it did, that he did. And I want to show you one of the things that happened to him. Look at, um, look at 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 1. Now, if you're familiar with Scripture, you know that this is a time that where, Sam, for, where um, Saul died. Amen. And the tragedy is, is that back a few chapters back, the Lord had given him some marching orders. And those marching orders was to eliminate the Amalekites. Now, I understand we don't understand everything of God, but they were enemies of God. And God came in and said, eliminate it. Eliminate them. You're the king. You've got to lead these people to that. And, of course, we understand that he didn't do that. He didn't do it all. He brought back the riches. He brought back, you know, uh, the king. You know, he made some concessions that weren't his to, to do. And listen to me right now, saying of God, man, I would get on my knees and I would beg you right now. But I feel there's about five or six of you in here. That's exactly what you're doing. You're making some concessions. You're trying to live both lives. You're trying to make them happy and you're trying to make him happy. Oh, I feel that right now in the Holy Ghost. I really do. And I'm, I'm not your worst enemy. I love you. I wouldn't preach like this if I hated your guts. I'd preach a happy, clappy message and let you go home and do whatever you wanted to do. But I feel in the Holy Ghost that God has opened up your eyes today for a reason. He wants to help you to become the one that he wants you to become. Praise God. But if you're going to keep making concessions, if you're going to keep going back and opening the door for that, praise God, you're going to get caught unawares. That's what's going to happen. And one of these times, something's going to come in there that you can't handle, and it's going to sweep you away. Praise God. That's what God wants to help you to avoid in Jesus' name. And so finally with Saul, that's what it was. And so he went to battle thinking that, man, he's going he's to be able to do the same thing over and over and over again like he did maybe a few other times. But this time, it didn't work that way because he was wounded. And then the scripture says that he tried to get his armor bearer, bearer to, 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 to kill him because he knew what was in store for him. He was the king, and they were going to make an example of him whether he was alive or dead. And that armor bearer, because he had, you know, this connection with God, he wouldn't do it. But guess what? The very thing that he was supposed to eliminate come along. Praise God. And it was an Amalekite. 
And so you must understand that Saul, Saul was killed by the very thing that God wanted him to eliminate in his life. That, my friend, is one of those motivational posters. That's what God is trying to help you to see. The scripture says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that the Old Testament was written for our admonition. It was not written to scare the daylights out of us. It was written so that you and I could learn some things. People like Samson who made terrible mistakes. People like Saul. And I'm not trying to be unkind to these people. I'm trying to really bring out the point, praise God. God's got them in your life too. Come on, where people have made some horrible mistakes and found themselves in a pit, praise God, where they're blinded and where they're bound and where they're grinding. That's all life is to them anymore. It's just one big grind. And I feel like there's, a, there's several of you in here, that's exactly where you're at right now. That's one of the reasons you get on a regular basis depressed. Because you're trying to get that to fulfill. You're trying to get that to fulfill the happiness in your life. And instead of lasting for days or weeks at one time, it's not even lasting an hour now. You can't even get through maybe a half an hour, and pretty soon you're feeling bad again. And you say, what is that? I'm going to tell you, that's God. That's God in your life trying to help you to understand that you're not to compare the things that's going to happen to us over in heaven to the things that are here on this earth. And this is what God did. Now watch this. The scripture says, I think it's in um, 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel and verse number 21. Now again, David's lamenting over him. Even though Sam, Sam, Saul was mean to him, chasing him around for a couple of years, trying to kill David, you know, but David was a man after God's own heart. And so he never got resentful towards, towards Saul. He never did. That's how you can really tell you got the Spirit of God in you, is when people can do things to you. People can, can, you know, can say things about you and all that kind of business, but because you got the Holy Ghost, because God has forgiven you, you can, you can go to an altar and you can raise your hands and you can pray for people like that. You can lament for them. You can say, God, save their souls. That's how you really know you got a hold of something, because I'm going to tell you right now, your human flesh would never, ever, ever be able to do something like that. That's how you can tell, praise God. And I'm telling you, man, I want that. That's, what I've, that's one of the mountains I've had to climb a few times because that's how I want to be. I don't want to spend my life, praise God, trying to avenge people. I don't want to spend my life trying to, you know, try to, you know, um, you know, being mean and that type of thing to people. That's not what I want, and I hope that's not what you want either. Well, watch this. The Scripture says in First Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 1, this is David. He says in verse 21, it says, You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. Now you read that and you think, what does that got to do with anything? Well, you have to understand, shields back then were built um, uh, uh, usually out of two things. Some, some of the, the, the higher-ups had a, had a shield that was built. They had a frame that was built out of metal. And then it was covered with, with, um, with a skin, you know, with leather, okay? Um, some of them, you know, the boys that didn't have that much money, they just had a shield out of leather. 
But you must understand, it's like this building. You and I were walking around the building and seeing all kinds of stuff that needs to be worked on, aren't we? It's because the building needs, what did you say? It's an old building and it needs to be maintained. This guy is a man of wisdom. I really appreciate him. I really do. He has got a great spirit. He really does. Amen. Well, you've got to understand that a shield, come on. The scripture says, you know, to put on the loins. Let your loins be girt about with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Can somebody say amen? amen. What's the next one? And above all, no, uh, you forgot something. Above all, taking the shield of faith, whereby we can quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. Amen. Well, you must understand that your shield, my shield, praise God, has to be maintained. You know, one of the things that's, that's, that's a destructive force in metal is rust. When metal begins to rust, praise God, it can, it'll get real flimsy and it'll fall apart. We don't have it out here, but man, we used to, be, back in Iowa, when they put salt just about on blocks, they'd put it on the highway. I'm exaggerating, but boy, I mean, they, they, the, the streets were filled with salt. And if you didn't have your car Z-barded, does anybody even know what Z-barding is anymore? If you bought a man alive, I feel, you're the one that got old yesterday, okay? Yeah, I feel old. Back in Iowa, back in the 60s and the 70s, if you bought a car, you right away, it was like, you know, it was like, you took it right to the shop and had it Z-barded. Because if you didn't do that within just a few years, that car just driving it normally on the Iowa highways, it would literally begin to rust out. And I've owned a few of them. I've owned a few of those cars that I bought from somebody that the fenders, you could take them and wiggle them. And they weren't in any accident. I remember one car we had, Sister Carnahan and I, she reminds me of this. It was a Nova. I think it was a 1971 or 72 Nova. It was a neat car. I liked it, but she didn't. But one day she was driving down the streets in Dubuque there when it just had a torrential rain, and she drove through a puddle. Anybody ever did that? It's fun, right? Well, it wasn't for her because all of a sudden this foot about, about six or eight inches of water came into it right in where, where, her, where her feet were. And you want to know why? Because the car had rusted out. That's what happens. And I'm telling you right now, many of you, you understand what I'm talking about right now, about the shield. You understand, taking, above all, taking the shield of faith whereby I can quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. But you don't understand, praise God, that that shield has to be maintained. It has to be, or else it's going to rust. Another thing that's a, that's a deterrent with, and I, I know this because I used, to, I used to overhaul saxophones. And saxophones are instruments that have leather pads. And man, I can remember the uh, kids would bring their, their horns in and some of those pads were as hard as a rock and I'd have to replace them because they didn't maintain them. And what I had is I had this needs foot oil that I bought at the, at the uh, hardware store. And what you would have to do is you'd have to treat those leather pads from time to time. Why? Because that was what made them pliable. And so you must understand that's what God is doing in your life. Yes, he gives us the whole armor. 
But you and I must understand that we've got to maintain that armor, praise God. We can't just leave it lay and be like a Samson or be like a Saul and expect that we can go right back into the, into the battle, into the heat of the battle, and we haven't prayed, we haven't fasted, we haven't read our Bible much, we come to church whenever we feel like it, and we think we can go into these kind of heated battles, and we think we can just pick up our shield, praise God, and hopefully the thing will work. And a lot of times it hasn't been maintained. Is this too rough, brother? Is this okay? I believe you. I do. But it's getting hard to believe some of these, some of these folks out here. Yeah. And I'm not expecting you to get up and do cartwheels, folks. I'm just, I hope that you can receive this. That God is trying to help us. That he's trying to maintain us. He's, try, he's given us all the things that we need. But we're like a lot of things. We want these things, but then, you know, when we're not using them, we just lay them out in the yard someplace, and hopefully they'll be there when we come back to get them. And we don't realize that God has to help us, and he will. And you want to know one of the things that helps us to maintain these things that God gives us? The Bible says in Luke chapter number 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me, to preach the gospel to the poor. You see, it's the anointing of the Lord that will come in our lives. And you and I, we, we can't dictate that. We can't tell God, boy, you better give it to me or else. All we can do is be in a place where when it begins to fall, we're there and we can receive it in Jesus' name. That's what God wants to do. He wants to anoint your life again. He wants to give you central purpose, praise God, and, and help you to understand that, praise God, you don't have to be blinded, you don't have to be bound, and you don't have to be, uh, you know, in the daily grind all the time. That you can begin to have real true purpose in your life in Jesus' name. You know, last week I made reference to a man that came and he did, um, did some revivals at our church, and I remember some of the songs that he would sing and that type of thing. And I had one here today that I'm hoping that I can help somebody with in Jesus' name. And I want to sing this for you in Jesus' name and help you to understand that you're in the right place. It's not over. It's not over, not even close to being over. That God has something incredible for you in the name of Jesus. And if you will allow him to do something and respond to him the way, the way you know you should, praise God, you can, you, can, you can become, your shield can become pliable again in the name of Jesus. And things can begin to happen for you the way that it should be in Jesus' name. When you're... against a struggle and it shatters all your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears don't let the faith you're standing on seem to disappear praise the Lord he can work through those who praise him praise the Lord 